Hi, everyone. I'm your host, Abby Carcio. And I'm your other host, Sydney Cummings. And from wherever you're listening, welcome to Megged, a women's soccer podcast where we talk about anything and everything related to the women's professional sport. This episode, we'll be covering the trajectory of the U.S. women's national team. Move your feet. This is Megged. Abby, welcome to season two. I'm so excited that we're back and we're doing this. How have you been? Let our listeners know what's new in your life. It's been a while, Sid. I'm doing well, though. I mean, we've been on break, so it was nice to come home, see my family, um, my dog especially. Um, Something that's new and exciting, I was accepted into the UEFA B coaching course in Ireland, so that will be starting this year. I'm very excited for that. How are you doing? I mean, you just caught a red eye back to Scotland. How are you faring, Sid? Yep. So a little jet lagged. I've slept a lot in the middle of the day. No, but I mean, going home for break was amazing. When I played in Australia last season, I didn't get to go home. I missed Christmas. So it was really nice to be back, be with family, spend the holidays with them. Um, In this time, I dealt with an injury. I partially tore my adductor, which sucked. Um, So I'm really happy that that is over and done with. I got to play some pickup while I was home. um, And so that was really great. So I'm really looking forward to, you know, the rest of the season, I guess. It's kind of like a new beginning in the new year, which kind of leads us to another new beginning, the U.S. national team. So much news dropped while we were queuing up season two. This was massive. Black Gondonofsky's out. Emma Hayes is in. Abby, the U.S. national team is going to look different. So let's catch up about it. Abby, Emma Hayes, WSL legend. You're a massive WSL girl. Tell me your thoughts. Wow. Well, first off, Sid, I was a bit surprised about this. Obviously, Emma Hayes was on our list, but I really thought Laura Harvey was going to take this job. So when I heard the news, bit surprised, but a pleasant surprise. Like you said, big WSL fan, huge Emma Hayes fan. Um, I'm just so excited to see what she does. I mean, she has a quick turnaround, Sid, with the Olympics coming up. But what are you excited to see from Emma Hayes? I feel like we've kind of lost the U.S. national team. Like we lost that grit. We lost that determination. That was a lot that we talked about last season with our World Cup episodes. I'm really looking forward to how she molds this team properly. We talked a lot about how Vlatko kind of missed out on that transition from old to new. And I feel like she still kind of has to deal with that. And so I'm excited to see how she puts her own style onto the U.S. national team and kind of gets us back to where we're meant to be. Yeah, I mean, it's like you said, it's going to be difficult for her to make that transition as it would be for any coach. But something that I'm super excited for is I think she's actually going to bring some tactics to U.S. women's soccer, which I don't think we've necessarily seen. Mm, I mean, with Jill Ellis, yeah, of course you had some tactics, but I think Emma Hayes has this like incredible tactical mind. So I'm excited to see her implement those. I'm curious to see how the actual players will be able to implement her tactics, especially in a quick turnaround. Um, But yeah, I think we're going to see a lot of interchanging of players um, and a set style of play, which I think we were lacking the last couple of years. I do think it'll be interesting, though, like you mentioned, can these players kind of bring those tactics to life? 
And you said, you know, she's not around right now. She's still coaching Chelsea. So we're not seeing that official transition until the Chelsea season ends in May. So she's coaching, but she's not really there helping them through tactics. And um, I don't know if you were able to catch the, the China game that they played at the end of the year, but I felt like it was so direct. I felt like they were trying new things, new formations. They had their right fullback, Casey Kruger, I think, was playing really high. And so they were kind of attacking with a three back. And we we see that all the time in the WSL, right? Like we know those tactics so much, but I just felt like the execution was off. And obviously it's the first time doing it. And the person that's implementing it, like your coach isn't even necessarily there. So granting them grace, whatever. But I do think it'll be interesting to see like what tactics we see brought into the US national team. Like you said, who can adapt? Do people get left behind? I think that that's like an interesting concept as well. If you can't, if you can't match what she's trying to play, does she bring somebody else in? And then I think this is like the interesting aspect of the NWSL. So most of the U.S. national team players play in the NWSL. The only one truly who's like, you know, core part of the squad that does not is Lindsay Horan. So, you know, you have these players coming in, coming out. So if we think about Mia Fischel, she plays for Chelsea. Right. So she's kind of a bubble player. Now you have Christy Mewis who just transferred to West Ham. She's bubble player, but like maybe on her way out. So it's this interesting conversation about like the NWSL style, which is uber direct and a WSL coach who likes to play. What are your thoughts with that apps? Yeah. I'm really curious to see how this trickles down to league play. I think there are a lot of pros and cons to keeping players in the NWSL, but also shipping them overseas. I think with the style of play aspect, it would be beneficial to see a lot more of these U.S. national team players playing overseas. They need to get used to the technical side of the game. And and like you said, in the WSL, they employ a lot of these tactics on the regular. And so I think it can only be beneficial on that side. On the flip side of that, you look at the NWSL schedule and it matches up quite well and it matches up or was constructed with the idea of the U.S. national team in place, in mind. This allows the U.S. players to have more time in camps than any other national team in the world. I'm curious if Emma Hayes will look at that as more of a pro than sending players overseas. Will she say, okay, I need my players in the NWSL, they're local, it helps me see them more often, helps them stay in the rhythm that they've known for the last decade, really. Um, So I think there are two sides to that coin. I'm curious what you think, Sid, about this. I mean, we've been playing overseas for a while now. So and and I think we've been influenced quite a bit on our playing style. Do you think that it's beneficial? Do you think she'll send more players overseas? I think it will be encouraged because I think that when you get stuck in the NWSL, you get stuck in like this repetition and the NWSL style doesn't change. Whereas I think the WSL style changes depending on like, you know, what team you're on. Maybe I shouldn't say that fully about the NWSL. Some teams do play less direct than other teams, but at the end of the day, it's a direct athletic league. And I think at the end of the day, the WSL is a bit more football tactics, right? Like I think, and that's what she's probably going to try to implement. I think there's something to be said about younger players going there and developing. So I'm thinking of like, I don't know, Rose Lavelle, I think is wasted in the NWSL. Um, I think someone like Jaden Shaw, who's like kind of, you know, making her way in now and on the cusp, like that might be beneficial. I think it would be great to get some fullbacks into the league. There was obviously that rumor that Emily Fox was going to go to Arsenal. So I I do think that it would be beneficial to get some of the younger players 
in get that experience, see something other than American football, like American college system, and then the NWSL and just like get a taste for that. And it doesn't need to be okay, like you're settling there long term for the rest of your career. Um, So I do think there would be some benefits to it. The con, which because I was thinking as you were talking, the NWSL is so similar that people get together so often that like you can't deny that chemistry. And a lot of the girls on this team do actually play for similar teams in the NWSL. My concern would be if you send this player, this player, this player to the WSL, are they losing then that chemistry, but building their own repertoire? Yeah. I mean, that's a good point. You look at Spain's national team, majority of them are playing locally or domestically. A lot of them are playing for the same team at Barcelona. So there is that chemistry aspect, but I actually want to push back on that. I don't think that a lot of these players are actually playing for the same team. I think intentionally they've been divided throughout the NWSL to maintain a certain level in the league. And so, yeah, you might get like three players on a team, which is yeah beneficial, but it's so minuscule. I don't think it has that much of an effect on it. I push back once more, only in a certain aspect. Some pairings, I think, are really beneficial. So like Abby Dahlkemper got back into the national team camp. Her and Naomi Gurma obviously played together at San Diego. Becky's on her way out, right? Like I think the Olympics will be the last we see of Becky. So I think if your your two center back pairings play together, like that gives you an advantage. So I do think that it is beneficial in, in some regards, but in support of what you're saying, like for good players, it doesn't matter. And I think that's why the midfield in the U S national team, it doesn't matter where those players go. Like it doesn't matter if Lindsay Horan's playing in France and Rose Lavelle is playing in Seattle. Like it literally won't matter because they're good enough to adapt. But I do think that there are some people where it'll just open up something different in their arsenal. And I think it could just catapult them. And I think that that's beneficial. Yeah. You have some great points in there, Sid. I think it'll be a, question of what Emma Hayes values in the immediate does she value that chemistry or does she value getting players exposed to international football but let's talk about something that happens naturally even without a coaching change is this changing of the guard in regards to the the players what do you think about that are you excited to see anybody and do you think it'll have more of an impact that it's happening now than it would be without a coaching change I think that happening at the same time as a coaching change will make it seem more natural. I think that a lot's going to be different at at the next coming camps. Whereas say everything was the same and the only difference was uh, Megan Rapinoe and Julie Ertz weren't there. I think that would be really weird for like camp vibes where it's like all these big personalities are missing and like stuff's still the same, but it's like a little different. Whereas I think this is like a complete turnover, right? New coach, new tactics, tons of new players coming in. So I think that that's really important. And I think it's good that the pool has grown as much as it has. I do think that the big question mark for me, and this is what we talked about in our episode where we kind of paid homage to Pino and Ertz is big leadership roles are lost right there. Massive. And so you're going to have all these young players and experienced players stepping up into the national team. And I'm just curious if the older players or experienced players, however you want to look at it, how they will help mold that now, because I feel like the people they looked up to are gone. So it's like, you now have to fill that role, even if you kind of were before, um, so I think that that will be the most interesting aspect, the the leadership or lack thereof and like who steps up, especially because I know I think of Alex Morgan and I think of Becky Sauerbrunn, again, 
kind of like on the way out, Becky more so than Alex, but massive shoes are, are meant to be filled here. And so I'm just curious who will step up. Yeah, I think we saw in the World Cup, Lindsay Horan um, really did step up in that role uh, for leadership. But I think it's actually imperative that this, this changing of the guard is happening when Emma Hayes is coming in. She's known for her leadership. And so, yes, while you might not have the immediate players stepping up, you're going to look to your coach to kind of set that standard. And I don't think, even with Jill Ellis, like she's a bit more soft-spoken. Obviously, I'm not on the inside, but... I don't know if the U S national team has ever had this coach that is like really intentional about setting the standards and really intentional about leading the ship. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, that that's going to be interesting to see. I do think the younger players need someone to guide them, but that's something that Emma Hayes has proven. She's able to do. If you look in the WSL at Chelsea, she has taken Lauren James, a really young player still and turned her into like this essential piece for the English national team and for, her club side. So I think Emma Hayes has the capability to take those new players and quickly mold them into leaders. The one thing I want to say about what you just said about Emma and uh, Jill and like the difference there, I do think that Jill Ellis was very loved as a coach. I I think that she did a great job. They were very successful. People spoke very highly of her when they played under her. I feel like the difference is Emma Hayes is outspoken to the media, which I don't feel like we saw with Jill Ellis. So when you're saying, you know, I wasn't in on the inside, we're not on the inside with Emma Hayes, but, but it definitely feels like she's a bit more vocal about that. And so I think when you can kind of be that leader that's willing to take the brunt of everything. Like, so your team doesn't have to worry about that. I think that that makes a big difference when we're talking about leadership. And I do think you make a good point about these young players and and stepping up and being able to look to someone to really guide them um, as a coach, because that does obviously make a difference hearing it from your coach versus hearing it from a captain or other players. I am curious to see if there's a lot of new people coming in. Like we said, the pool has gotten bigger what the finalized rosters are going to end up looking like for something like the Olympics, which are coming this year and the summer of 2024. Yeah. Also the fact that Vlatko focused a lot on NWSL performance to make these rosters, you know, you have uncapped players making the last roster. I'm curious to see how Emma Hayes makes those decisions. Is she going to say, listen, you come into camp perform and you'll be in my, in my roster Or is it going to be, because she doesn't really know these players, is it going to be based off of reputation? I don't think it will be, but I'm curious to see. Throwing another option in there, because I don't think it'll be based off of reputation either, chemistry. I feel like that was what lacked in the World Cup. You're putting, like you said, Savannah DeMello, for example, never been capped, thrown in, and like phenomenal player, but just realistically does not have the chemistry. The I'm literally just so focused on the U.S. midfield. Like, I just want the midfield to be what, what it once was. When you had Sam Mewis, Rose Lavelle, Lindsey Horan, and then it, you know, Julie Ertz was in the six there as well. So like those would interchange between those four. That midfield was phenomenal and the chemistry that they all had together was literally untouchable it was untouchable and so I think that that's really important and I think that's where like these new players will be really beneficial when you have someone like Rose Lavelle who's your 10 praying to God she stays healthy all year if you have someone like her as your 10 and then you have new creative players like Mia Fischel and Jaden Shaw up top I think that that could be really dangerous and we could see something from the U.S. national team that we've never really seen before like we've never had besides Tobin Heath really like who's been a really creative player besides Rose Lavelle, but I feel like she does it alone a lot of the time. It would be really interesting to see two people 
plus like piggyback off of each other with that. Absolutely. And I think this is reminiscent, this coaching change is reminiscent for me of when Pep Guardiola, who's the current head coach of Manchester City, took over at Bayern. Bayern in the German league, they had this reputation of being super direct, super physical. And so a lot of people questioned the ability he had to make this team his own. And I think Emma Hayes, if anyone can do it, she can definitely come into this historically direct style team, put in some tactics, put in some you know, passing ability. And like you said, Sid, this creative aspect, blend it all together and put something on the pitch that's, you know, a winning team. So if anyone can do it, I have a lot of faith in Emma Hayes. What do you think, though? This is a close turnaround. Do you think we can expect, rightfully, anything for the Olympics? I think it'll be really important to watch how the national team does from now until May, right? Like how they do without Emma Hayes actually there, um, I also think it'll be interesting. So in their last camp, when they played China, um, she had flown down for the camp, but left before the games. So I think it'll be interesting to see as well, like from now till May, how involved she is. But I think it's really important to see how they perform in that period of time, because I think when she does finally get there, it will it will be fine. But, you know, this as a coach, Abby, like it's hard to come in with such a short turnaround and try to change too much. So I think their trajectory from now till May is really important because the Olympics start July 26th. So she literally kind of only has the month of June and you can't really change too, too much in a month, especially if you're only together for however long in the camp leading up to the Olympics. So do I think it's fair to expect something? Yeah, it's the U.S. national team. You always expect something. But I think it'll be really telling how they do in these in these leading months to see if it's, you know, just performing based off of pure talent and skill or if we're seeing cohesiveness and we're seeing a new turn with the national team. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's fair to say U.S. national team, we have to expect something. I mean, at the bare minimum, I expect something more than the performance we saw in the World Cup. Um, I think the whole world is looking for that. Like you said, it's going to be really difficult from a coaching perspective to implement anything, really. But I think going in with a simplified game plan. In the World Cup, we lacked even the simplest game plan. And so if we can have some strategy that's, you know, even reductionist, that's fine, and execute on that, I think that'll be enough um, to get the ball rolling. I mean, the next the next cycle is really what we're focused on is the World Cup. But this is a great opportunity to kind of get back on the right track for the U.S. national team. Yeah, Abs, I think you've made great points in in this talk about where the U.S. is going. And obviously the World Cup is what we're focused on, but the Olympics are going to be a great test. So I'm really interested to see what this U.S. national team looks like from now till May and from now until July. But in the meantime, right now, in this moment, we're bringing back a really special segment. So happy to get this going. Abby, let's go to Hot Takes. Okay, Abby, I'm ready. Hot take. All right, Sid, here's my hot take. I don't think the NWSL is the best league in the world. (laughs) Agreed. Oh, I really thought you were going to, I mean, someone that's played in it, I I figure that you would disagree with that. Here's here's the one thing I'll say about the NWSL. I don't think it's the best league football-wise, but I don't think it's as, like, easy as people think like anyone can play in the NWSL or like anyone can break into the NWSL it is really niche I think in like its style of play like if you think about like 
the aspects of, of different leagues overseas, I think that the U.S. kind of embodies multiple instead of just one. So like it's really physical, it's really direct. But then you have some players who and some staff that actually like have football and have tactics. And that's when you see like some catapult above others. And so I do think that it's a difficult, difficult, difficult league. But I agree with you. I don't think it's the best. Yeah, I mean, the NWSL, it's difficult, right? I think the backing is really exciting because you have a lot of these philanthropists or entrepreneurs stepping in and, and putting more money into it, which is always a great thing in the women's game. But yeah, holistically, I think other leagues are catching up in terms of money, coaching, actual players. And I think one of the big things that's holding NWSL back is the lack of a second league, a second tier for a promotion relegation system. Like you said, it's so difficult to actually get into the NWSL. But if you look at the WSL, you have a second tier that allows these younger players to develop at a high level of football with the potential of playing in cup games against these first division teams. And the NWSL doesn't have anything like that. So it's either you're on the bench and not getting minutes in the NWSL or you're playing. And aside from that, you have to go overseas. And so I think that's really pigeonholing the NWSL and has dropped its quality. Yeah, no, I think you make a really good point about not having a relegation, especially when you look at the WSL, for example, like the gap between the teams at the top of the championship and the bottom of the championship is really big when you look at then the top of the, the you know, WSL versus the bottom of the championship, right? Like that gap is pretty big, sure. but you, you'll have teams in the championship, like, I don't know, like the top three kind of that just like kind of rotate. And that does spark competition. Like, could you imagine being like the Washington spirit and being relegated to a second, like to relegation? Like, I don't know. I just feel like that ignites a lot of competition a lot of fire and there's so much talent in the U.S. but like you said it's so hard to get into the NWSL and there's talent overseas but like people don't want to come to the NWSL I've talked to my teammates about this so much like the reputation of the league how like cutthroat it is how like there aren't like a lot of football tactics sometimes like it's not appealing and so I think that you make a really good point one of the cons and one of the reasons why the NWSL will never in my eyes be the best league is because you're, you're not utilizing all of these good things that you have, right? Like the money, the markets, all of that to kind of make it more appealing for other players overseas and for domestic league players as well. I feel like I know a lot of people in this college draft that are saying to me, Oh, I'm actually going to try to go overseas. People when we were entering the college draft didn't do that. It was like, get into the NWSL. So I think that that kind of just shows like it's the rest of the world is catching up and that's a dangerous place for, I feel like us, the U S to be in. Yeah. I mean, it's my home country. I would love for the NWSL to be the best league in the world as it once was. And I hope that Emma Hayes and her trickle down effect as the head coach of the U S women's national team will do just that in the coming years. Yeah. There's a lot to be excited for with U S soccer. Other things to be excited for Abby, any games to watch? Yes. My section's back, games to watch. Uh, well, first, I want to highlight a documentary as we're talking about the U.S. Women's National Team. Check it out on Netflix. It's called Under Pressure. It looks at the journey of the World Cup for the U.S. Women's National Team. So watch that. It's like four episodes or something. And then, yeah, with games rolling back around, we're starting back up after 
the break, we have a really cool matchup. Lyon versus Perry FC. Perry FC has been doing so well in the Champions League. And that one's going to be on Wednesday, January 10th. And as always, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns, feel free to email us at megpodcast at gmail.com or hit us up on Instagram at megpodcast or our new Twitter at megpodcast. We hope everyone enjoyed this episode. Please rate us and leave reviews on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Join us next week as we tackle new topics, fight over our different perspectives, and as always, our hot takes. See you next week on Megged.